You're listening to the Expert Insights Podcast, the home of leading cybersecurity conversations. Hello and welcome to the Expert Insights Podcast. I'm Joel Witz, Director of Content and Curation at Expert Insights. I'm excited today to welcome Steve Dispenza, the VP of Product for the Endpoint Management Division at Microsoft, to the show. In our wide-ranging discussion, we talk about Microsoft Intune's latest product launch, the future of identity and endpoint management, and the challenges of developing a product for hundreds of millions of users. Here's Steve. So Steve, thank you very much for talking to us today. It would be great if you could give a bit of an introduction to yourself, your background, how you got started with Microsoft, and your current role. Sure, absolutely. So uh, I'm Steve Dispenza. I'm the VP of product for the management division where we make Intune and Config Manager and uh, the uh, new Intune suite, which we'll talk more about, I hope. Uh, uh, I've been at Microsoft now amazingly for 10 years. Uh, It feels like a blink of an eye to me, but uh, I joined through uh, the acquisition of a company I co-founded called Phone Factor, which turned into the the MFA uh, service that's part of Azure AD now. And in my time at Microsoft, I've uh, run both dev and PM organizations in identity and security uh, and now management. So I've had a a long and enjoyable uh, trip through this technology space here. How have things changed at Microsoft over the last 10 years? Oh, goodness. It's been it's been an amazing uh, almost revolution, really, in the company. I joined at the very end of the Balmer era. And it was, you know, when I joined, there there was a conversation going on about the lost decade and, you know, the culture was just completely different than it is today. Satya took over and made what I think was kind of the biggest impact I've ever seen a CEO make on the culture of a company. Uh, Microsoft is now this incredibly innovative, uh, you know, frontline organization where we, uh, you know, I mean, just look at the last month worth of announcements that we've had. We're really back on the the front edge of uh, the coolest technology in the world. And, uh, you know, the it, it, internally, the culture has kind of reflected that, you know, we have some of the, you know, most talented people I've ever gotten a chance to work with uh here in the company and the cult, the corporate culture has been amazing so it's really quite a change yeah it's definitely seemed you know as you say in the news exciting announcement after exciting announcement really keen to talk more about the intune platform so it would be great if you could kind of give a bit of an overview of the platform itself the, the benefits it provides and and sort of what sets it apart from some of the other endpoint management solutions that are out there on the market Sure. So Intune has been around for, uh, I think, about 11 years now uh, since we originally launched it and has turned into uh, the largest endpoint management solution in the market. Um, Intune, uh, together with uh, Configuration Manager, which is a component of Intune, uh, addresses hundreds of millions of users, hundreds of millions of devices uh, around the world, across platforms, across industries. Um, and really, it's founded on a pretty fundamental premise that you can't have zero trust security if you don't have a strongly managed endpoint. And so um, our technology over the years has really uh, has really gone in that direction. The ability to really strongly manage PCs and mobile devices and Macs now and Linux devices 
through and uh, impose security policy and compliance policy and ultimately be able to assert that that device is well managed and, and policy compliant before granting access to resources. You mentioned sort of hundreds of millions of users. We're obviously in a pretty tumultuous time at the moment in the cybersecurity yeah. space. What are the sort of themes and challenges that you're seeing across the user base at the moment? Yeah, it's uh, certainly something we're seeing as well. Uh, that you know, maybe a couple of trends that are that are showing up here. One of them is around, uh, you know, IT departments are overwhelmed. The number of attacks continues to rise. I've been saying this, you know, for years, but you know, just to pick one statistic out uh, that I, I recently ran across, password uh, password attacks are up uh, 222% in the last uh, in the last slightly over a year, uh, and you know, there's just that's just one of many. Like there are there is an increasing persistence and severity of attacks that uh, organizations are having to deal with, and yet their IT departments are more stretched than ever before, uh, both in terms of uh, you know personnel and finding qualified folks to fill roles, but also in terms of budget, which has been a big issue over the last year. Uh, and so, so just the the fact that IT is stretched very thin and, and security teams are stretched thin is number one. Um, the the other wrinkle that I think has created a lot of uh, a lot of intensity is evolving work habits. Basically, as people have changed the way they work, working more remotely, changing even times and even countries in some cases where they're working. Uh, has really put additional pressure on SOCs and on IT teams to be responsive to a whole new set of needs. Obviously, you know, we, the perimeter, the corporate perimeter has been dead for years, but, you know, it sort of takes it to the next level when literally everybody in the organization is working remotely uh, or even worse, working a combination of remotely and in the office. So you have kind of the best of both worlds from a from a you know the the scenario mix perspective, uh, and then the the other thing I've been hearing about from customers a lot lately uh, is sort of needing to break down the silos between IT teams and security teams. You know they they sort of came from different places traditionally, but the modern reality is that these two organizations have got to communicate in lockstep in order to uh, effectively secure the organization while still letting users be productive. Uh, and so those are sort of the themes that we've seen popping up more and more lately. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, particularly on the economic side, um, you know, seeing budgets being cut in the cybersecurity space. Is that something that I suppose recently has got a lot worse? Yeah, absolutely. We, we've been talking with customers a lot about how to do more with less uh, because that's been the refrain that we've heard from our customers. Everybody is under pressure and yet the world isn't getting any simpler. Uh, on the contrary, you know, the, the attacks are becoming more and more sophisticated. We've, of course, the whole world has seen it very vividly over the last year with the Ukraine situation and the significant cyber uh, component of that uh, of that situation. Uh, we've, we've we blogged about that, I think, a couple of days ago in the on the anniversary of the attack. But uh, yeah, it, the the economic challenge associated with dealing with that increasingly severe uh, security landscape is certainly something that's on mind of CISOs today. 
absolutely. One of the big challenges that, uh, and this is uh, to your point on, on zero trust and the importance of input management around zero trust, is um, phishing and account compromise. Um, those two seem to be, uh, you know, major trends that, that we're seeing. I was reading Microsoft's digital defense report, and you know, I think there's a quote in there that phishing attacks are generally unsuccessful with good identity management, phishing control, and endpoint management practices in place. So, you know, how does Microsoft Intune and, and, and those solutions start kind of connect those dots to help prevent uh, phishing attacks? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, phishing continues to be uh, one of the most important considerations for CISOs. It, there are uh, strong defenses against phishing. Um, you know, when you think about, first of all, enabling MFA uh, just universally in the organization is step one for that. And uh, this is a topic near and dear to my heart. I've been in the MFA business in one form or another for, gosh, going on a couple decades now. And it really is a proven way to cut out over 99% of identity-based attacks. So that's kind of our first message. Uh, and then, uh, you know, we have... Uh, over the last couple of years made significant investments in the identity stack um, around fish proofing with things like uh, the number matching uh, flow that's uh, built into Authenticator now uh, using push notifications. Uh, that's, uh, you know, that sort of starts to work on that last, uh, you know, less than 1% of attacks that are left over after after the basic MFA implementation is done. But as you said, it's not only about verifying the identity uh, because a, a, a verified identity coming from a compromised device is still an attack. Uh, and you know attackers still can essentially remotely control a device or or steal the authentication credentials, the post authentication credentials of a user. You know if they have if the device itself is not secure, and that's really where uh, endpoint management and Intune come into play. So within Intune, uh, as a part of the authentication process, uh, we are making sure that security policies are actually applied and actually in force on the endpoint, things like making sure that Microsoft Defender for Endpoint is on the device and running uh, and up to date, uh, things like making sure firewall policies or local drive encryption or secure boot or so many other security policies are actually in force uh, on the device before we call that device compliant. And until we mark that device as compliant, uh, the identity system is simply not gonna let that device in. So there's this, connection between Azure AD and the identity side and Intune on the device side that makes sure that both the identity and the device health are there uh, and secure before giving the user access to, uh, to uh, sensitive resources. How helpful is having those management solutions in place as a way to boost adoption of security policies like multi-factor authentication? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we see it in the statistics that the more uh, sort of the more widely rolled out uh, endpoint management is, the more widely rolled out MFA is. Uh, and it, even in the case of a user who doesn't have MFA on uh, device management still adds a huge amount of value. You know, a, a number of phishing attacks uh, are sort of, and credential theft attacks are done directly from the endpoint itself. And so ensuring that you actually have a secure and compliant endpoint before you let the user, you know, complete authentication, before you let that user get that authentication token from the directory, still cuts out a percentage uh, of uh, uh, of attacks 
obviously we encourage everybody to deploy MFA as quickly as possible and we made it as easy as you possibly can. Uh, but certainly endpoint management standing on its own uh, adds a ton of value. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and just to circle back to your earlier point about how integral this is for zero trust, we see a lot of uh, interest in zero trust. Obviously, there's a big push from the, uh, the uh, administration on uh, adopting zero trust. Um, could you talk a little bit more to that point of, of, of why these solutions are integral for implementing zero trust and rolling that out across the organization? Yeah, so zero trust has been has really seen amazing adoption in the last five years. Uh, and it really, of course, it's the result of uh, the disappearing network perimeter that, you know, really has been the process for the last 10 years. Um, but really, to deploy zero trust, you need a, a whole set of sort of secure entities along the chain. Uh, in my world, you know, I think about endpoints mostly in terms of no endpoint is inherently trusted. There's no such thing as an endpoint that you should trust just because of what it is or where it is. You know, just because it's on CorpNet doesn't mean you should trust it, meaning that just because it's on CorpNet doesn't mean you should just give it free access to, uh, you, you know, without any sort of additional security checks to sensitive resources. And so in that kind of a world, uh, you need an endpoint management solution in order to both deploy policies, uh, deploy access and so on, but also to actually enforce that those policies are implemented. Uh, so it does no good to just sort of send out configuration for, say, uh, antivirus, anti-malware. If the user is able just to disable the anti-malware software, nobody checks, right? It does no good to sort of want there to be, uh, you know, BitLocker encryption turned on if nobody is enforcing BitLocker at the point of authentication. And so at Microsoft, the way Zero Trust works is every single endpoint is treated the same, no matter where they are, on CorpNet or off, no matter who they are uh, in the organization. We, we sort of piece together the trusted endpoint together with the trusted identity uh, and the trusted application. And all of those pieces have to come together before the user is given those tokens that give them access to the resources that they're after. Uh, and the zero trust part of it means, like I said, it doesn't matter where you are, who you are, what device you're running, what operating system you're running, et cetera, you're gonna have this, you're gonna be treated the same way. You're gonna have to sort of prove yourself uh, to the system every time. Absolutely, yeah. And I suppose, uh, you know, from, from my experience, there also seems to be a tent for, you know, larger organizations are really interested in zero trust. And as you go down the sort of, Funnel, I suppose the smaller organizations maybe find it a bit more difficult to understand how to implement it or what the sort of benefits are to them. Uh, from what you've described, it's sort of much easier to roll it out for organizations of, of any size. Would you agree with that? I would. Uh, in fact, the larger organizations ha tend to have more mature programs around zero trust, but for smaller organizations, they tend to be more cloud native. Uh, than, than larger organizations. So they tend to have started life in Azure AD, started life uh, in Intune instead of in Config Manager, uh, and, and in Office 365 instead of on-premises versions of Exchange and SharePoint. And with that being the case, it actually is quite straightforward to deploy zero trust. You know, it's all done from the cloud. It's fairly automatic. Um, and so, you know, in some sense, the barriers for the small organizations are lower. And in fact, we've done a lot of work over the last few years to make the defaults really easy and really obvious. You know, we've had great luck in making kind of and really nudging people to deploy MFA from the very beginning from a for a cloud native uh, 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 organization. 
So yeah, I, I definitely think it's appropriate for all organizations. And in some senses, it's easier for smaller organizations to deploy because many of them were born in the cloud where this is just as easy as it can be. On, on the other side of the coin, I wanted to kind of ask you, as someone managing a product that's being used by hundreds of you know millions of users, you know, what are the challenges that you have in terms of developing and, and managing the platform? Uh, such a diverse uh, group of users, use cases, and, and security challenges as well. Yeah, it's a great question. It's one of the reasons that, you know, on a personal level that I've enjoyed my job so much over the last 10 years. Uh, the, you know, Microsoft has kind of an unmatched capability in really high scale enterprise management of the kind we're talking about. Uh, you know, I think we're we're large in the in the management space. We're larger than our next closest competitor by a factor of about three. Uh, and you know, dealing with nine-figure numbers is 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 great. So you know, over the years, what we've done is we've built up a, a pretty highly robust system that's spread around the globe, spread across public and sovereign clouds, uh, and so on. And so, what that means is that as we've built you know, sort of our processes and methodologies for development over the years, we've had to take into account the fact that any little change we make is going to affect you know, a nine figure number of users and devices in the world. Uh, and we've gotten pretty good at that. Um, and then one of the other kind of, I, I'd call it a side benefit, but it's becoming an increasingly central benefit of our scale is, you know, the the amount of enterprise sort of data and signal that we get is just, uh, I think it's unmatched in the world in terms of the enterprise space at any rate. So all of that data and signal gives us new opportunities to make things sort of even better, even faster for organizations. And that's a ton of fun too, as we, you know, I, again, I think we've we've been making really good progress on that the last five years, but if you just look at the last month or two worth of kind of breakthroughs in AI, you can just see how much further we have to go and what the possibilities really are there. So that's an exciting part of the scale that we operate at. How do you prioritize development? How do you prioritize listening to those different groups and, and figuring out how do we go from here? Uh, it's it's really the magic of product management. It's a hard it's a hard question that you ask. We we literally had a conversation internally about this yesterday uh, <laughs> at the executive level. Like, how are we how are we doing this? Because the reality is, you know, we get a steady stream of input from customers large and small around the world, uh, and you know, there are certainly patterns that emerge. Um, you know, customers want us to continue to make things easier to deploy, more automatic, to use their data in a way that allows more automation and sort of predictability and so on. Those are all totally standard and reasonable. But then, you know, by we have different kinds of requests per industry, per worker type, frontline workers versus information workers, et cetera. You know, education is a huge business for us that's kind of distinct in terms of their requirements. Uh, and they're, you know, small businesses versus enterprise have different requirements. Born in the cloud versus on-prem and migrating are different. And so, um, you know, the way we prioritize is, uh, you know, obviously customer-driven. Uh, we have uh, no shortage of customer signal. We all talk to customers daily uh, in the product team in order to make sure we have a good signal. 
Uh, and, you know, we try to sort of do things for our customers that benefit the most customers at once, the most users at once. Some of those things are really user facing, like some of the new things we've done in the Intune suite. Some of those things are more platform based in terms of, our, you know, our ability to scale and grow faster, provide a more reliable service. Uh, and we sort of take all of those together and build a plan once a quarter for what we're going to go add, what we're going to go do. And, you know, the good news is. Uh, the world changes pretty fast, and so every quarter we build a new plan, and we're able to take uh, take the latest feedback into account. But it's certainly a big challenge. What are the innovations and new features on the horizon for the Intune platform? And uh, you know how how do you think you'll continue to make management more seamless to improve security, but also to sort of make lives easier for the security teams? Yeah, well, we're really excited to announce the Intune suite. Uh, it goes live on March 1st, tomorrow, <laughs> and uh, something literally I've been working on since I joined the Intune division three years ago, um, and I could not be more excited to finally have this sea light of day. Um, you know, you were talking about how we prioritize. One of the things that came up as a steady stream in our customer conversations over the last three years is customers that are using Intune for core device management and doing a great job of it, but that have to add two or three additional solutions to their mix from other vendors in order to do things that, frankly, they had hoped would be part of Intune itself. Um, and, you know, Obviously, our first priority has been producing, you know, a world-class uh, core management solution. And according to the numbers, you know, at least a lot of customers are voting that we've done that. And and so that sort of gave us permission to to take a step into some adjacent solution areas. Um, so for a couple uh, of examples, we're launching uh, a new solution around endpoint privilege management, which I am really excited about. As a user of Windows since Windows 3.0, you know, I can tell you that one of the most frustrating parts of Windows for decades has been that you have to run, or at least many organizations have to run as local admin. If you're gonna run as a standard user, it takes a ton of IT prep. And, and really, frankly, it, it requires users to accept limitations that are not always palatable, not always possible. And so, you know, one of the solutions that we'll be delivering is an enterprise privilege management uh, solution that allows uh, IT departments to define the conditions that users can elevate under so that they can run a standard and they can elevate to admin privileges only when necessary, only for jobs that require it and under full audit and control of the IT department. We think this is going to really trigger a pretty massive change in users going uh, from local admin to standard. And like the other solutions that I'll talk about, um, you know, all these solutions uh, we sort of picked because we have this ability at Microsoft to to sort of bring our own unique point of view. In the case of the, of uh, privilege management, we've been able to build this directly into Windows itself to utilize some of the machinery that started to appear even in the Windows Vista timeframe, uh, uh, but uh, you know without requiring kind of bolt-on pieces uh, of code that, that you know that don't always interact well with the base operating system. And so we can provide this incredibly integrated end-to-end -end story with Intune, Azure AD, and Windows on the device uh, to really solve that problem. Uh, so that's one that that we're we're super excited about. On maybe the other end of the spectrum of you know 
less flashy problems, but still big problems. Um, you know, there's a large increase the last few years in bring your own device uh, utilization in the enterprise. And uh, organizations have increasingly secured those devices using mobile application management instead of mobile device management. Uh, the MAM mode of Intune is a little lighter weight touch on the device, which is appropriate for a BYOD. But for all of this time, there's been this gap on having BYOD devices be able to reach into CorpNet to legacy line of business applications. And so we're excited to uh, announce a Tunnel for MAM Managed Devices, which basically allows a micro VPN from the managed app into the corporation, into CorpNet and directly to the line of business application the user is trying to access. That's actually gonna unblock a huge number of seats uh, and organizations that are just sort of waiting to be able to deploy to their users. Uh, and, and there's more in between, but uh, those, those are a couple examples of new capabilities in the suite. My final question to you then is, is how do you envision the future of endpoint management more generally? You know, we're, Aiming for, so we believe the trend on doing more with less is going to hold. We believe the trend on hybrid work is going to hold. We believe the trend on security kind of getting ever more complex is going to hold. And so in the face of those those trends, uh, we we feel like the, the future is going to be more and more about sort of uh, seamlessness, integration, and automation. So we we do believe strongly in the view that you know the more seamless you can build you can build a solution set, the more integrated a solution set can be, the easier and the lower cost it will be for IT. And so that's definitely one trend. Uh, and and then in terms of kind of automation, we really do believe, as I said earlier, that the data that we have and the signal that we have is going to unlock. Uh, pretty amazing opportunities to automate uh, and to to bring more sort of predictability into the system for IT pros so that uh, they can sort of move from being reactive to more proactive with their uh, end user estate. And uh, well, you know, I don't think we we believe, you know, that you know, AI takes over everything and there is no more IT. Like that's not a thing I think will happen. I do think that the notion of bringing in AI tooling to help users, to help IT pros automate tasks and to give them more tools to be able to respond proactively, I definitely think that is in our future. Thank you very much for your time. That's a hugely interesting uh, conversation. Gosh, no, thank you so much for the time, Joel. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Expert Insights podcast. For more, please subscribe or visit expertinsights.com to find interviews with experts and trusted reviews of top cloud solutions.